Let's do that hockey. All right. Welcome back to Dopper Prospects Radio. This is episode 74, and this is the USA edition of our World Junior Preview Series. And my guest to talk to us about uh, USA prospects is none other than my good pal, and uh, I think this is your third time on the podcast now, Steve Cornianis of The Draft Analyst. Welcome to the show, Steve. What's going on, Pete? Thanks for having me on. Ah, uh, you know, that hockey stuff and things, World Juniors, Christmas, it's a busy, busy, and super amazing time of the year. Okay. Um, yeah, man. So for anyone who's who's missed any of your previous episodes, I'll, I'll just do a little introduction. So Steve is a uh, writer and blogger, and you can catch his stuff um, on Twitter, on his blog, on his YouTube channel, all the Draft Analyst. Uh, and he's also a contributor for the Sporting News. Uh, Steve, tell me, just tell us a little bit about, uh, about what you do, man. Uh, basically I watch nothing but hockey, uh, for about <laughs> 10 to 16 to 20 hours a day and I write about it. So that's pretty much what I've been doing for the last, uh, five years in a row, but combined previously the past experiences with other, other outlets, you're looking at about a good 10 years of covering prospects. So, uh, definitely a passion and a hobby. Don't try to play myself off like an expert. I just like to give people free information on uh, prospects, NHL prospects, the draft, uh, with uh, a little sprinkling of NHL uh, comments and critiques and criticisms uh, along the way. So I definitely might see myself as a hockey guy uh, through and through. And I don't see it stopping anytime soon. And again, it's always been a pleasure coming on here to speak with you. Uh, we've done this before, and like you said, this is a great time of year, World Juniors. I think it's this is the beginning of when the casual hockey fan, NHL fan, takes a break from their regular season and their team, and they focus on these kids because, you know, the NHL goes on a little bit of a break. Uh, everyone's usually off or, you know, has a little bit of time off for the uh, Christmas holiday. So uh, it's a great time to, to have a podcast like this because it, it gives – people a chance to learn about some kids they might not know too much about. So I guess that's why we're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as I said before on a couple episodes leading up to this, that the World Junior Tournament is is an outstanding showcase for like the elite of the elite of the prospects of the next wave of prospects coming in. Um, so a lot of people use the World Juniors to basically scout for their fantasy hockey team you can watch these tournaments and you can see a particular player and just absolutely fall in love with them at the world juniors i have been very guilty of that in the past watching world juniors falling in love with players like jordan tutu um max freeberg uh you know they don't always pan out these little sure sure <laughs> these little infatuations they have with these players but it gives people an opportunity to see a lot of players they don't usually get to see so for in canada i don't get to watch ncaa very well the usndp team uh certainly not very much of europe and and vice versa for for different countries they all have their their local teams and prospects that are easier to see but this gives them a really good opportunity to see the elite from across the world um and all the competing nations um so let's let's get into it you're super qualified as you, you point out to talk about usa if the listener hasn't detected you've got a beautiful new york accent that i absolutely love yeah. 
you're displaced right now. You've been in Nashville for a little over a year, I believe it is. And uh, yes, also, correct. incidentally, I'm also always campaigning for people to subscribe and like and five star my podcast. Please do the same for Steve's The Draft Analyst. Uh, it is my favorite prospect podcast that's out there. It's absolutely outstanding. The content that you give is 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 amazing. You don't focus on only American players either. Um, you watch as you've mentioned, nothing but hockey and hockey in all different leagues and tournaments and you go to games and tournaments and I think that carries a tremendous amount of uh, credibility to it when you can watch games live as well. Um, sure. Yeah, so anyways, USA in your backyard. So let's 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 get into it. Let's start with Team USA. Uh, they've had a pretty successful run at the World Juniors in the last few years. I believe you're looking at a silver in 19, a bronze in 18, a gold in 17, another bronze in 16. So that's several years in a row where they've medaled a couple bronzes, a silver and a gold. Um, looking at their, their roster this year before we deep dive into each player, I, I really like their chances. I don't see a whole lot of weaknesses on their team you could maybe argue that they're missing that elite forward that they would have if uh if Hughes was available but he's in the NHL um but I mean they've got a star goalie in Spencer Knight they've got tremendous depth and a variety of different kind of roles of players throughout the the skater positions um I think USA is if not the one of the the favorites for a gold medal, um, are, are you feel as strong about USA as I do? Yeah, there's there's a lot of things to touch on uh, about this group specifically. Uh, the first thing you have to realize, or that people need to realize, is that making up the bulk of this group is this record-setting NTDP that you mentioned from last year. So the National Team Development Program, you know, where they take. Uh, two teams, one a bunch of 17-year-olds and then one a bunch of 18-year-olds, and they basically shuffle them in and out. They, they move on to the draft and then the NHL. Uh, so last year was like, you know, the Alabama Crimson Tide or the, you know, uh, Kentucky Wildcats went from a draft standpoint where basically the whole team got drafted and nine of them went in the first round. So this roster, even though it's not, I guess, the cutoff for this year's World Juniors in terms of birth years, the year 2000, that 2001 year group that I'm talking about, they're going to make up the bulk of this roster for Team USA. So right off the bat, you got eight first-round picks and six second-round picks. And if you compare that to the 2017 team that won gold, that team had seven first-rounders and four seconds. So even without Jack Hughes, a special player that he is, there's a lot of firepower, a lot of star power on this roster right now. The the are they the favorites? It'd be tough to call anybody a favorite right now, specifically because they're in Group B, and I called it I called Group B the mincing machine because in Group B you have Canada, you have Russia, you have America, you have the host nation, the Czech Republic, and you have Germany, which has potentially four uh, high NHL draft picks, or at least one guaranteed to be a first round pick. So th there's a lot of activity going on in that group. So it's going to be tough for all the nations, but Listen, if you're going to base it off of, uh, you know, uh, international resumes, this group has won the U-17 Hockey Challenge. Uh, they came in uh, second. Uh, well, they got a bronze, I guess, at the under-18 Worlds. They're, they're always meddling somehow. And the reason why they don't win gold every year is usually because of, like, one play here, one play there. You know, 2016, what happened? They, they 
It was a tie game late with uh, with uh, was it with uh, Finland. Uh, I'm thinking about the U18s, but there's always like oh, like last year with Finland, they 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 lose a close game and uh, they have to settle for a, a lesser medal like a bronze. Uh, but uh, you know, overall, the way that this team is constructed, the way that they've been able to go and allow really teams, even now that they, they I saw today that they uh, not only made some final cuts, well, not final cuts, so they made another round of cuts, but the Islanders released Oliver Wallstrom, and you're looking at a top ten pick. Uh, from a few years ago, uh, he's going to be available too. So uh, there's a lot to like about this team, and it's just a matter of, uh, I, I guess, really, it's going to come down to luck because every team in that group has really good goaltending as well. So as good as Spencer Knight is, and we all think he has ridiculous potential at the higher levels, uh, in a short tournament like this, it's going to it's going to be a very fine line for these players to toe. Because uh, one little mistake can change the fortunes for uh, for the whole team. So, uh, but again, it makes it it makes it for interesting hockey. It's going to be real uh, fun and exciting tournament to watch. Absolutely. And one other thing I wanted to point out about the overall makeup of their roster is USA hasn't brought any draft eligible players. Now we've kind of alluded that their uh, their team last year, the US NDP team, was uh, was like a record setting, dominant, stacked team. Uh, and then you sprinkle in some some players from from other leagues as well, like Arthur Kaliev from the OHL and et cetera, et cetera. And, and boom, there's your roster. So you don't really have any room for draft eligibles. But just kind of stepping away from this roster really quickly and, and taking a look at what's coming up uh, for USA in the draft this year. Who are your like top one or two uh, American players who are eligible for the 2020 draft that aren't going to be at the World Juniors? Well, usually you, you start with the NTDP, right? Uh, once you start with the NTDP, from there you could just, you know. Now, this year's NTDP, it, it is a very good team. Uh, a little bit more defense-oriented than previous editions. You know, the, the the team that we talked about, they were running guns. Zegris, Turcotte, Caulfield, Hughes, Cam York, like the, uh, Matt Boldy. They were a run-and-gun kind of a team. They always pushed the uh, pace. Uh, tempo was high, what have you. Whereas this year's NTDP... Is more of a tight checking group. They could obviously all skate with the puck and, and make plays and what have you. Uh, you. You just don't have that elite high-end guy that, you know, you say, I got to go pay money to see this, uh, you know, this kid play, which is what you had in, with Hughes last year. So they got some really good kids on that program. Ty Smolanik is a forward. He's very good. Uh, Bordalo, Thomas Bordalo, whose dad uh, was a former NHL player, he's an excellent playmaker, and he might crack uh, the uh, late first round. They got another ex-NHLer's son in uh, Sanderson, and his dad was, uh, you know, used to play for the Canucks and the Whalers. He was a 40-goal scorer, Jeff. So uh, you have those three are the main ones. And then one of the kids that they have in that program is a high pick for 2021, which is Matthew Beneers. So uh, these names, I think they're good, but it's really a, a year for the Canadian Hockey League to celebrate its 2002-year group, whereas last year the NTDP celebrated theirs. You also got a lot of good kids coming out of the uh, USHL this year. And if you watch the recent World Junior A Challenge, it was basically nothing but USHL kids. Some of these kids put on a show. Uh, Brendan Brisson, you know, Pat Brisson's son, the super agent. He's fantastic. He's going to probably be a, a high second or late first round pick. And then you got the ex-NTDP kid, Sean Farrell. Uh, all these kids play for one program in the USHL, the Chicago Steel. 
and they're just destroying everybody. And uh, so you're going to get anywhere from four to six uh, between first and third round picks from one USHL team, uh, which is really impressive. They got uh, another kid named Sam Colangelo, a big bodied winger who could fly. He's got a great wrist shot. Uh, so there's a lot to like about USA hockey this year. I, I don't think that anyone was deserving any 2002 year group uh, types were deserving of making this team uh, simply because of all the depth from the 2001 and 2000 groups. Uh, but you are going to see them next year. Next year, you are going to probably see a guy like maybe Beneers sneak on it in his draft year. Uh, more than likely, you're going to see at least one of uh, Sanderson or Bordalo make that team. Uh, so it's it's a good time for USA Hockey. It really is. It, last year, they had a not just a record-setting year with the NTDP, but also the USHL. I think the USHL almost had as many kids picked as the OHL, which is crazy to think uh, if you brought it up, let's say, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it was just – it's really just that kind of a, a year where the USA had no choice but to take nothing but, but 2001s and 2000s. So uh, it's not really as much of a slight it is to the 2002s as it's really just uh, a tribute to the strength of that 2001 group that we saw get drafted uh, in pretty high numbers last year. Yeah, you know, as a Canadian and um, an unabashed Canada fan uh, and supporter, I've really enjoyed the World Juniors because Canada dominated for a long time and, uh, you know, they always medal. Um but as each year goes by, I get more and more afraid of the United States because the talent pool is so much deeper. And as hockey grows across the United States and starts reaching, you know, non-traditional hockey markets, uh, like down in the Sun Belt there, you've got players like Austin Matthews coming out of Arizona, a bunch of players coming out of California, like the Robertson brothers. Um, you know, if, if hockey really takes off and, and keeps keeps developing in, in the United States, you know, the population comparison between the U S and Canada is just so lopsided. Like USA can just absolutely dominate <laughs> in the international stage in hockey and, and then not too far future. If, uh, if it really just keeps on trending this way, they'll, they'll have so many talented athletes that they'll be able to draw from that other countries just won't be able to keep up. Yeah. On paper, on paper, you could say that, um, I just, you know, and, and we all were thinking that way, like, what the heck's going on with Canada? What's, what's going on with the Canadians? You know, they're not winning the Holinkas, uh, like they used to dominate. They're not uh, winning uh, the WJCs like they used to dominate. And is, was it in fact that the world, um, was catching up? And to be honest with you, if you go back and you look at the data, it's not necessarily the case. The case is that Canadians have been producing elite NHL talent. It's just that they go to the NHL and the NHL teams don't want to release them for these international <laughs> tournaments. And so, yeah. you know, like if you, if you look at like, and that's, if you, if you talk to enough Canadians and I'm sure that you do, it's always the same story at the end of every year when Canada does not win gold. We should yeah, have had this so and so he was in the NHL. Or yeah, we but won. you know what? Yeah, every country, every country can say that, you know, but, Jack Hughes so, isn't going to be at the world juniors. I know, but, but then again, look at the Olympics and look at the best on best tournaments. So if you did a best on best tournament right now, you're probably going to see Canada win the best on best tournament. And then you look at this 2002 group that, that, you know, 2000, late 2001, all of 2002 group. Um, it's a fantastic group of Canadians. They really are going to, um, now there's, a, it might put more pressure on them and I'm not going to say that they're going to be the favorites or, uh, win gold this year necessarily, but. 
I do think it, these things go in cycles. So you, you are correct that the U.S. is tapping into these markets where hockey's not a traditional sport. Um, but, you know, when you live south of the border, man, Americans, for the most part, they just don't put as much effort and emphasis onto the, you know, into hockey as they, they do the other sports. So it's going to take convincing. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how do you convince, how do you convince a 6'2", 185 pound kid in, let's say Western Pennsylvania to not try to be a quarterback when, you know, and, and play hockey instead? How do you convince a kid in, in Texas? You know, we have obviously with Seth Jones is one of the exceptions. So it, it's a fight that USA hockey has in their hands, but, you know, living in a football crazed state like Tennessee, um, and I go to the local rink here where the Preds practice a lot. And it's it's growing, man. They're going to need to start building a lot of rinks. Uh, so uh, I, I think you're right. And, and a, sooner or later, the, the 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 pool to dip into is going to get a lot bigger for USA Hockey. But again, you know, Canada, you know, it's the smaller nation, but their program with Hockey Canada for whatever whatever they're doing, it seems to be do, you know they're doing it right. At least when it comes to producing elite NHL talent and. I know that sometimes we use these international tournaments as a measuring stick to how great uh, a country is at developing uh, players. But, you know, Don Cherry, for all his faults, he was always right about this, where he's like, look at the top 10 scoring defensemen in the NHL. Look at the top, you know, 15 scores in the, uh, in the NHL overall. Most of them, if not, you know, the overwhelming majority are, are Canadian. So I wouldn't, it's not all doom and gloom for Canada just yet. I would, <laughs> you know, especially with this group that they have right now. Maybe not this year, but next year, I think that they, they are going to be one of the favorites, no doubt. All right, let's get into the roster. Uh, why, why don't we start at the back end and, and work our way out? So we'll start between the pipes. And obviously the slam dunk there is Spencer Knight. He uh, not only broke the voodoo goalie curse of no goalies in the first round of the draft. He went pretty high. I think it was in the 15, 15th overall neighborhood where Spencer Knight was picked up by the Florida Panthers. It'd be interesting to see where Askarov goes um, in Montreal this summer. Yeah. But um, So Spencer Knight worked his way back into the first. And as you said, he's by all accounts a future franchise starting goalie in the NHL. I hope so because I drafted him in fantasy. So he's going to yeah. get the lion's share of the games. And he'll obviously, as long as he's playing well and why wouldn't he and as he's healthy he'll be in the metal games uh i don't think there's much more to to say about it than that um so so spencer knight is is the go-to incumbent number one for usa the other two options are dustin wolf calgary and isaiah seville vegas so both of these guys are ncaa and seville is playing in uh in alaska i think so i don't know anything about Seville. Uh, if U.S. wants to uh, give Spencer Knight uh, a game or two off against some of the lesser light countries, who do you think we could see spoiling him as the backup? Well, you have, well, you know, Wolf is in this, in the CHL, right? He plays for Everett in the WHL and they're oh, a, right. I actually just, I just watched him the other night against uh, Portland and Everett is a defensive oriented kind of a team. Uh, but in this specific game and the few times I've watched uh, Everett play, uh, the ice was kind of tilted against him. So he's got, you know, and, and the thing about the WHL is those American teams, the Portland, Seattle's, Everett's, uh, it's it's rivalry. It's all, they, you know, These teams hate each other. So he's played in big, game, in big games before. Everett's a pretty good team. So uh, he's also played for Team USA at the Ivan Halinka. I don't know if people remember, but uh, he was the goalie when Canada scored that controversial goal that shouldn't have counted in, in the semis. 
that Dylan Cousins scored and it ended up counting, even though it was after the buzzer, Canada ended up going to the gold medal game and winning, whereas Team USA uh, lost in the bronze medal. So he's got a lot of international experience. He's not a big guy. He's about six foot. Uh, but he's good. He's really good, like technically sharp and, and te- technically superior, a lot like uh, Spencer Knight. And that's the, the Spencer Knight's bread and butter, how like cool, calm, and collected he is. He's rigid in his stance. He just, nothing rattles the kid. Um, now, as far as Seville goes, Seville is great. I love this kid. He's a, he's actually a righty. Uh, you know, like, a, like a, I, I, when I think of righties, I always think of Grand Fuhr. But he, he's, he's a righty like, like, uh, like Grand Fuhr was. And uh, he was the goalie for Team USA at last year's World Junior A Challenge that beat Russia for the gold medal, gold medal. So all three USA goalies have significant international experience. Uh, they know what it's like to deal with tilted ice. They're both, all three are having really good seasons for their respective teams. I think Spencer Knight had a couple of, uh, you know, doozies in the beginning of his college career, but he's been on a roll lately for Boston College. And Boston College is not great of a team. It's, it's like a kind of like a collection of uh, muckers and grinders and some, uh, a lot of, it's like senior and junior heavy, uh, you know, so yeah, yeah, they got new hook and they got Boldy as freshmen, but it's still uh, not a, a star driven team per se, like other college programs. And they've had to rely on the freshman night to bail them out. So you can make the argument that Knight is one of the top three or four goalies in all of college hockey. And the thing about saying that is most goalies in college hockey that are good, they're usually like 22, 23, 24 Seniors. years old. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, I think goaltending is not an issue for Team USA. They know exactly you said. They know exactly who their number one is going to be. Um, and now here's the key, though. It goes back to what I said about how tough the group is. You're going to have to spell Spencer Knight. You can't have Knight play all five games or all four games of group play. And, you know, I mean, he could. He could do that. He's a machine. But you're going to want to get Seville or Wolf in there for, you know, one of the games. Maybe if, it, if one is a blowout in the U.S. favor, you could pull Knight, give him a little bit of rest. So I guess we could predict that against Germany, if Germany's going to be the lesser opponent, you're probably going to see Knight take that game off. And in that game, you'll see, uh, you know, Seville or Wolf. But they're going to have to be subjected to Tim Stutzla and Paterka and... Uh, Glotzel and uh, who's the other kid I'm forgetting? Reichel. All the, the the Germans got a lot of firepower, so yeah, it might not be a, a, a gimme. Cider. West. Yeah, and cider. Yeah, Dominic Bolk. I forget. You know the NHL. Yeah, man. Germany's back in Group A and for the or D1, whatever they call it, the the top yeah, tier. They, yeah, the top yeah, division, they're, they're yeah. here to stay, man. I don't think they're going to be relegated. I, I, all the teams I, I like. I, I wouldn't want to see Kazakhstan get. We talked about this on Twitter. I wouldn't want to see Kazakhstan or or Switzerland get relegated. I like cheering for them. So you know, if Germany, Kazakhstan, and Switzerland all survive, who's going to get relegated? I hope nobody well, does. Listen, look what happened to Finland a couple of years ago. They almost got relegated. They were the yeah. defending champs. And, uh, you know, when they had Ely Tolvin and Veselainen and all of them, and they, they were terrible, and then they, they had to squeak out the relegation when I believe it was against Latvia. Yeah. Uh, so um, you never know. Listen, this is, this is such a crazy group that if you lose your first two games, like let's say you open up against Canada and America, those are your first two games. So welcome to the tournament. Here, play Canada. Oh, no. <laughs> Here, play, play, play the host nation with their crazy fans and Russia. Like whoever, yeah. oh, you know, you could look at, look at the schedule – uh, you know, Germany it's going to be bananas. Tough. Germany is in it's, tough to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but again, you know, if, if one of these big teams 
if Germany could pull off the upset on one of these teams, and then let's say they lose two more, then you you might have Germany into the medal round and a superpower getting relegated or into the relegation round. So it's gonna be it's fun. gonna be great hockey. It's gonna be great hockey. I can't wait. All right, let's move up to the blue line. Uh, you said the USA made some cuts today. Uh, did they cut any uh, defensemen? Yeah, they cut uh, they cut Ryan Johnson, the, the first round pick of the Sabers, uh, uh, who's uh, Craig Johnson's son, the guy that was in the Gretzky trade back in the day. So he, he was he was cut. Uh, he plays for North Dakota or no, Minnesota. I always get the two confused. I know the Minnesota North Dakota fans kill me for that, but uh, and then they also cut. They cut the uh, the winger from BU, Mastro Simone, and they cut the the London Knights kid Gruden, who used to play for the NTDP. So as of right now, I think the roster stands at 26. Uh, because they got Wallstrom uh, added to the team, they're going to have to cut three more. So it looks like probably, you know, maybe one defenseman and two forwards, or two defensemen, one forward. I don't know, but we could talking about the defense. I mean. Well, they got nine uh, defensemen on the roster right now, according to Elite Prospects. Ty Amberson, Jordan Harris, Zach Jones, Christian Krieger, uh, Keandre Miller, Alec Regula, uh, Mateus Samuelson, Spencer Stasny, and Cam York. So there's a couple locks on there for sure. So let's start there. Let's start with uh, Keandre Miller. He's yeah. just fantastic. And yeah. Cam York, um, one of the national team program stars from from last year, early first round pick. Might have been the first defenseman taken. I can't remember. Um, so would you say those two guys? That's that's their one two. Those are their anchors, Miller and York. Yeah. Yeah, they could even they might even make them a pairing, but because Miller's got some pretty decent uh, offensive capabilities, they might want to split them up. Uh, looking at the names you mentioned, uh, they you know if you look at how Canada's defense is built, they have a lot of puck movers. It's puck mover heavy. You know, Ty Smith, Bowen Byram, Jamie Drysdale. Uh, uh, Kalen Addison, <laughs> and then they have the, I guess, the defensive types in Ball and in McIsaac. Whereas Team USA, I think, is, is going to be the opposite. They have the, the super bona fide puck mover, puck rusher, and Cam York. Yep. They have another kid. Well, they got really two other puck rushers in uh, Zach Jones, the Rangers draft pick out of UMass, who's a freshman, and then Jordan Harris, who I think is a uh, Canadian's draft pick. If I'm, uh, he's a he's a Canadian's uh, uh, pick. Um, yeah, third round pick. He plays for Northeast. Right. I should know that. Uh, so, so out of in terms of like offensive flair and offensemen, you're looking at York, Jones, and Harris. Uh, whereas uh, Miller is the pure two way offense and defense. And then the rest of the guys: Regula, Emerson, Samuelson. Uh, Krieger are physical, big, mobile defensemen where they, they're, they're, I guess, adequate at carrying the puck and making plays, but that's really not their M.O. And then the last guy is Spencer Stasny, an NTDP guy as well. He's a smaller guy, puck rusher, uh, could contribute defensively, but I think out of all of them, he might be on the outside looking in. He's had a pretty good year for Notre Dame, but he, he wasn't very good at the World Junior Summer Showcase. Um, I haven't seen him at, at this this camp that they have coming up, but based on what they have, you know, a smaller defenseman who isn't really outstanding defensively, but isn't also like a dynamic uh, playmaker on offense, I think he might be a little redundant. Uh, so as far as pairings go, just off the top of my head, I would say York and Regula would really complement one another. Regula is a very underrated kid. He plays for the London Knights. He just got actually traded uh, I believe the uh, 
Blackhawks acquired him from Detroit uh, in the, uh, was it the Perlini trade, I think? Uh, so he's very good. If you watch London enough, he's there. He's London's guy. Yeah, they got Ryan Merkley, but Regula is like just a mean, physical, talented guy. He's got a cannon of a shot. So that would be a really good pairing. And then Miller, you could swap out. You could, you could pair him with Matias Samuelson, who, uh, you know, they played together on the NTDP a couple of years ago. There's familiarity there. But yeah, there's also Ty Emerson, who's a righty, also played on the NTDP with uh, Miller during his draft year and also as a teammate of his in Wisconsin right now. So if you're going to do lefty-righty, you go York Ragul on that top pairing and then Miller-Emerson on the middle pairing. And then depth-wise, you could have Matias Samuelson, well, Christian Krieger, Christian Krieger's pretty underrated. He doesn't, he's not going to pull up a lot of points, but every time I watch him play, his dad was Todd Krieger. So you got NHL bloodlines all over the place on this roster. Krieger's very confident with the puck. He's also mean and physical. And uh, sometimes, you know, it, to win these short tournaments, you need that kind of a crease clearing type. Um, and as far as Jones versus Harris, I, you know, I got to give the edge to Zach Jones. And I'm not saying that because I'm a Rangers fan, but if you watch him play, uh, his poise on the pressure. He's not a big guy, but the way that he handles pressure, he doesn't get rattled. Uh, I, I got to give the edge to him over Harris. And uh, he could also be on that top power play. I mean, if you have a power play of Zach Jones and Cam York with all the other uh, howitzers and big guns that they got up front, then that that is one of the best power play units right there in the tournament. So um, I wouldn't necessarily say that the defense is a strength, because the strength obviously is in goal and up front, but there's no one really on that defense that uh, is really a concern. And the fact that they have guys who are big and can skate, they can compete with the big, powerful guys that Canada likes. You know, Canadians, Hockey Canada, no matter what age group that they they uh, play in whatever tournament, they like to press the puck. They like to use big, fast, heavy four checkers uh, to just apply pressure all over the place. And it don't even have to be big. It could be a guy like Aiden Dudas, or it could be a guy like Connor McMichael, but hockey Canada at every level, these guys four check like crazy. And, and I think USA hockey realizes that. So they're going to need guys with some escapability, but also the ability to take a hit. And yeah. I think that's what you're looking at with the remaining guys. Well, one, one player out of that group that I, I hope makes the team that it sounds like you're leaning towards if they got to cut a defenseman, Stasny and Harris might be the guys to get cut, but I'm really uh, curious to to watch Jordan Harris. He's a player that I don't really know very much about. Uh, he's a Montreal Canadiens prospect, and I have a, a no Habs philosophy for my fantasy team, so hopefully he gets traded. But he's five eleven, uh, about a buck eighty, so not too small, but certainly not a big bruising physical defenseman. Um, he had his uh, freshman year in Northeastern last season, and he had 13 points after about 40 games. He's already got 13 points this season after 20, 18 games, so less than 20. Uh, so he's a player that's certainly uh, developing and trending in the right direction. And, uh, you know, he's a points kind of guy. So that really resonates with, with fantasy hockey enthusiasts and fantasy hockey scouts who might be looking at Team USA. So if he's one of the players that squeaks onto their to their roster and maybe get some specialty team times, he's a player that uh, might be worth taking a look at. But Keandre Miller is the crown jewel there. Six foot four, two seven. He's converted forward, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a couple he, of years ago. And he's only been playing hockey for like, what, six, five, six years, something like that? Like not very long? Yeah. Yeah, he, man. He he graduated. 
pretty quickly from project and raw to just dominant and promising. I mean, he, he surprised me. I, I watched the kid play a ton, uh, in his draft year, a ton. And I, I loved him. I had him as an early, uh, middle first rounder. And then I just started falling more in love with the, with other guys and, uh, you know, knocked him down just outside the first round. Uh, but when you look at his progression, what he's done, he took, <coughs> excuse me, took the NCAA by storm last year as a freshman. Wisconsin's a little bit of an underachiever though this year. I mean, they, they they're got, a young team. They're a young team. Um, but uh, I, I think when you look at Miller, his experience on the international stage, he could handle uh, really anything that's thrown his way. And he's got that big shot. He could basically quarterback a power play if you need him to. So he can do yeah, it. All. I, I think, I think he's their number one. I think he's the guy that they're going to be leaning on to solve problems and match up against uh, the other top lines. You're going to see a lot of him. Final puck management of sometimes, in games. Yeah. Puck management could be a little bit of an issue sometimes. Uh, but again, these kids are young. So oh, I forgot what year it was. It was it maybe 2016. I, I just did not relent on Charlie McAvoy. I was so angry because he was turning the puck over and I'm like, oh, this kid. And I felt bad because he's a New York kid and I think his dad was following me on Twitter and I I just, uh, I'm a fan before anything else. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Charlie McAvoy is one of the best young defensemen in the NHL. So I think we, it taught me to to look at these kids uh, uh, through a different lens, not really, you know, try to, nitpick on every little thing, but it's just something to keep an eye on, you know, with the way Keanu Miller handles the puck, you got to keep an eye on, um, him handling that four check and other teams they scout too. you know, hockey counter, they send scouts to the Wisconsin games and, uh, Wisconsin, uh, you know, USA hockey sends scouts to the London games and that's how it works. Yep. Uh, so I think that they have a general idea of, of what to expect, uh, with Keanu Miller, but easily the, the best overall defenseman on that roster. All right, so a strength in goal overall with uh, USA with Spencer Knight and, you know, the depth-wise there, you're not really worried about that. So worst-case scenario, Knight blows a groin or a knee or whatever in the tournament, they're still in good hands. They might not have that uh, superstar goaltender that the world knows and feels confident in, but uh, I don't think the players would feel like, all, you know, all hope is lost if they had to resort to Dustin Wolf. I think he's he's just fine on the blue line, uh, as you pointed out, um, not a strength on the team, but pretty deep through and through. And they've got a good variety of players. They got three players that are six foot four north of 200 pounds. Uh, so they got some size and they definitely have some some offensive capability with. Uh, with where they need it too, with guys like Cam York who can create some offense from the back end and run a power play for them. So, so far, so good. Uh, let's move up to the forward ranks now. And uh, they got some depth at center there for sure. You're looking at Turcott, Wallstrom, uh, Zegris. Sorry, Wallstrom's a winger. Uh, yeah. uh, Drury, Pavanka. Um, Pinto. Sure. Yeah. The center is not an issue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So I think the the sexiest player on their forward roster, in my opinion, is Cole Caulfield. Um, Despite the fact that he's only five foot seven, he's the shortest player on the team. Um, Man, every time I've seen this kid play um, in a big game, especially he has come through. He is a big game player. He is a goal scorer. He doesn't just score the empty net goal or like the fifth goal in a five nothing win. He scores in all kinds of situations. Um, 
and he's just got a, such a tremendous shot. Uh, his hockey sense is uh, is is excellent. A player I've compared that to, not in his playing style overall, but one of the things about Brett Hall that I always enjoyed was his ability to all of a sudden be in the the right spot for a shot, and you could never give him a bad pass. No matter if the pass was was flopping around or if it was a little bit behind him or, or in his feet or wherever, it didn't matter. He got off just a lethal shot. <laughs> if he had to shoot it from his knees, it was still better than anything I could ever dream to do myself. At Cole Caulfield, I see a lot of similarities in, in that respect as well. I mean, this kid just can shoot the puck in just about any situation from about anywhere on the ice and be very, very dangerous. Um, he's a very well-known prospect. Um, I think he could have, uh, an, an impact in the tournament, be at the top of the tournament in scoring and, and dear himself, <laughs> to Montreal Canadian fans. Uh, so if, if Canada ends up bowing out in the tournament at the hands of the United States, it might be to one of Montreal Canadians top prospects in, in Cole Caulfield. Uh, well, how do you, how much do you like Caulfield? Are you as enthusiastic about him as I am? Oh, yeah, I love him. I mean, I had him as a top 10 pick last year. He, I thought it was inexplicable and inexcusable that he went all the way to 15. I mean, that the Habs basically stole him. Uh, because, like I said, we always talk about size and things like that. But if you watched him play for the last two years, not only does he have a great attitude and he has, has great hands like you alluded to, but he competes hard. He, he wants to play. He He doesn't... Show up to the ring and be like, oh, it's another day at the ring. All right, maybe I'll get an assist here. I think that's why a lot of people and why you see me so passionate about trying to disprove or, uh, or like debunk the uh, stats-only excuse. Because we all love stats, right? Stats are great for fantasy. They're, they're great for things like that. But in terms of assessing a player, you know, you can't only go by stats. You've got to go by – there's so many other variables uh, and we've seen kids put up great stats, but they were they were jerks. They were selfish. They were, uh, you know, e- egotistical. They were p- uncoachable, things like that. And Knight, uh, uh, Caulfield is is completely the opposite of that. He is a wonderful kid. Everybody loves being around him. He's got a great attitude. Um, and and you can't confuse his, I guess, his his smile and his humor for being, you know, kind of loosey goosey and nonchalant. Like this kid is a shark. Uh, he just knows how to compete. He knows where to place himself. And so uh, I think that no matter where he plays, whether he plays with Jack Hughes as a center, or he plays with Trevor Zegers as a center, or he plays with uh, you know, Dylan Holloway or uh, whomever, it doesn't matter who plays with this kid. He's just a, a machine uh, when it comes to scoring goals. And, and how many times you see fans complaining, oh, we got to finish our chances. We got to finish our chances. Well, you know, hey, here's a kid that finishes his chances better than anybody in probably the last three or four drafts combined. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that a a very big tournament from a guy like Cole Caulfield is uh, very much realistic, especially if he's going to be playing with a, an elite playmaker like a Turcotte or a Zegris where he has familiarity with him. So uh, let me ask you something real quick here. So you watched a lot of the national team last year with that stacked roster um, that was was led by Jack Hughes. Um, did he have a particular line mate that he was paired with uh, all the time? That they were like Batman and Robin, no. and it was it was Hughes and this guy, and Hughes and this guy, and Hughes and this guy. Or did they just no. kind of like rotate around through? So no one was just riding the gravy train with um, with Jack Hughes or, or anyone no. that's going to to miss that chemistry that they had with him last year. 
No, basically the coach did a great job. The coach did a great job rotating these kids out. I mean, there were times where Jack Hughes on his line had Judd Caulfield, who's a big, powerful winger, and Pat Moynihan, who was like more of an energy kind of a guy. Uh, and so it wasn't done to make them look good. It was literally just to let these kids learn uh, to take them out of their comfort zone. Uh, of course, obviously it helps when you have a guy like Jack Hughes, but no, only yet, like maybe during the power play, the power play was usually, uh, Hughes running oh, the show. Yeah. yeah. Hughes running one of the points with, uh, Cam York. And then down below you had Caulfield. His spot was usually to the, uh, to on the left side, ready for that one timer, that slam dunk Zegris controlling it from the right circle. And then the net front would be a guy like Boldy or even a guy like Alex Turcott, uh, who's a phenomenal playmaker himself. So it, it, it was really a, a fun sight to see, but to answer your question, no. It, it wasn't like Caulfield was a byproduct of Jack Hughes. And if you look at it right now, Jack Hughes is not on Wisconsin. Cole Caulfield has 12 goals in 18 yeah. games, and, and, and scoring is down in college hockey. As a so freshman. This, it, this kid's on a, basically like a 40-goal uh, a pace. Well, not a four, almost like a 30-goal thir- a, a pace as a college freshman yeah. for a young rebuilding team in a defensive checking type of era for college hockey. It's amazing. All right. Um, so that's good that no one was um, seems dependent on Hughes, who's not going to be there. So out of, uh, out of the players on the roster, uh, is there any two that have had chemistry together that uh, you think we should look out for? Well, I mean... Uh, I mean, Wallstrom and Farabee did, but Farabee's Farabee's not there. Yeah, Farabee's not there. Not really, to be honest with you. I mean, you could look at the bottom lines. Uh, you know, you could say a guy like maybe, let's say, if Shane Pinto is uh, the third line center. You know, he's got familiarity with Bobby Brink because they played in the USHL together. They played on some select teams together. Uh, Trevor Janicki, <coughs> excuse me, who was in the USA, uh, USHL last year, he's also got some NTDP. Uh, an NTDP background as well. So not necessarily, no. It's not like like uh, Trevor Zegris, uh, when he centered his line, he had Matt Boldy, who, you know, obviously, uh, you know, he's not on the team. Uh, so I don't think uh, chemistry necessarily is going to be a, a problem or even something that Team USA was even really looking for because these kids have been playing together. I mean, these select tournaments yeah. that these kids do, they start at a really young age. Um, really young, like 13, 14, 12, uh, you know, all the invitationals that they go through, uh, the, the festivals, the U15, the U14 festivals. So they, they, they know each other, especially if they played in a, uh, uh, like for example, like Bobby Brink is a Minnesota kid, right? So who on the roster is a Minnesota kid? I mean, there really aren't that many. Uh, it's, it seems like it's got mostly like a, 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 a New England or Northeast flavor to it with Wallstrom, Zegris. Uh, you know, Kalia, these are all like Northeast kids. Um, so I, I just think that the NTDP itself, you know, the NTDP also brings in kids uh, for a, like a cup of coffee every now and again. They'll take a USHL kid like Bobby Brink, for example. He was at 18 Worlds last year, but he wasn't on the NTDP. He, he played for, uh, for the USHL and he was able to play on that team. So uh, I don't think chemistry is going to be an issue at all. There's, especially with, um, you look at, let's say, uh, you know, Arthur Kaliev where he was at the Ivan Holinka tournament. I believe uh, Robertson, Nick Robertson, if he makes the team, um, uh, he's going to be, uh, they have familiarity with one another as well uh, because they were on that 2016 Holinka, it was seven, uh, 18 Holinka team with uh, Dustin Wolf and them that lost out in that game to Canada. So 
these kids definitely know each other. They, they're familiar. They're going to be, you know, I don't think it's, it's going to be an issue when they uh, meet up in the Czech Republic. All right. So the three players who I identify as the top goal scorers for uh, USA would definitely be Cole Caulfield, Arthur Kaliev, and probably Oliver Wallstrom. Out of the three yep. of them, who do you think leads this team in scoring? Uh, for goals, not just points, just goals. I mean, the knee-jerk reaction would say to say Walsham because he's the oldest one out of the three, yep. and he uh, has that familiar uh, – he's been in the tournament before. The thing about Walsham, though, is, like, sometimes you don't get what you want. You know, like, you want him – because he's a power winger, like, you want him to be that bulldozer and dictate play. And, you know, from what I've seen out of him this year uh, in the AHL – is that he is that he's a little bit like that, but at the at the summer showcase he wasn't like that, and I'm like, is it the summertime? You know, so I'm not I, I'm not going to rely too much on Walsham. I think it's nice that he's there, but to me it's it's got to be Caulfield, and I mean Kaliev is fantastic, but it's got to be Caulfield because he it's his compete level, and also he's got like fire in the belly. So if he gets pushed around, if let's say the team Russia game plan is to push the little guy around and you know, hit him hard in the corners, he does not like that. From a competitive standpoint, he will basically say, "Oh, you're going to do that to me? All right, I got something for you." Uh, that he's that he's got that kind of an attitude. Uh, so I, I think that when all said and done, you're going to see a guy like Caulfield probably score anywhere from you know seven to ten goals. And I'm it's just I think it's a pretty, pretty uh, you know understandable and justifiable prediction. Yeah, he's certainly the uh, the sexy pick for me. U.S. has sorry about that. U.S. has a bunch of. Um, uh, high-profile uh, draft picks and top-end players and prospects. Uh, between, you know, guys like Zegras and Wallstrom and Turcotte, um, who do you think is is some of the more NHL-ready guys that will be stepping into the NHL sooner than later? I suppose probably Wallstrom would be near the top of that list. Well, I mean, in this day and age, it seems like all these kids are considered ready by by the new standards, right? The problem is, like, when they show up, and they go through four or five games of not producing, the fans are like, ah, they're bust, get rid of them. You know, like, uh, so, I, I, you know, NHL readiness, to me, it's like this, it's tough to consider, like, what is NHL readiness anymore? Is it uh, ready to produce 20 goals and 40 assists as a 20-year-old? Is it uh, just playing? Is it just being on the bench and learning and developing and, and being mentored by coaches and older players? Um, you know, if you look at, you look at how some of these kids have played in their like Jack Hughes to me doesn't look out of place in the NHL. Cabo Caco does not look out of place in the NHL. They're just not dominating the way people expected them to dominate. But that's more on them than it is on Hughes and Caco. Um, so if you look at a team like the Kings, the Kings are rebuilding. Oh, they're playing well or late, but the Kings are rebuilding, right? So, and they have some contract issues. Technically, they they could find a way to fit. Uh, Kaliev and, and Turcotte, because they already, I mean, if, if some of the other guys from those draft years are playing in the NHL, then why should, you know, K Kirby Doc, is he that much better than uh, Alex Turcotte? I don't think so. In fact, yeah. I think Turcotte has the higher upside. So, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, you know, Jake Pavanka, John Beach, these kids have really good size and they could play a two way game. So that's always helps when a club is looking for a young kid to show up. They like coachability, they like kids that know how to play in their own end. So at this point, we don't know. It, it all depends on on where that specific team is. You know, you look at a kid like uh, uh, Hall that plays for Yale. I mean, he's a big body kid that could skate. Curtis Hall, that is a Bruins draft pick. 
uh, he physically, he's ready, you know, much physically, uh, I guess, uh, two way play. He's ready, but you know, the Bruins are a Stanley cup contending team. Right. Same with John Beecher. Just... He's John Beecher has got a little bit of uh, competition to make the roster too. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't Trent think from, from, a, from, a, from a question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they, they're kind of all the same, you know, yeah, the Bruins fans. I, although Beecher, though, he's a kid that we should talk about because Beecher is, is not only is he like a six foot three, 200 pound center, a two way center, but the guy could fly. He's a fantastic skater. I'm not saying like he's got quick feet or no, no, he is a graceful, powerful, clean skater who could go from zero to 60 in a heartbeat. Uh, and he's got a wicked wrist shot. So, you know, he's not necessarily like this elite playmaker, but you have this guy right here that if Canada's going to come at you with, with size and forechecking, like there's your X factor right there. There's a guy, John Beecher, that not only you have to worry about him from a defensive standpoint, but you got to worry about him taking the puck and going the other way because he's not like, right. oh, I shut you down. Let me go to center ice and dump it and go for a change. Like, no. Not, not Freddie Goudreau. Um, I mean, he's a college freshman. He's got um, nine points in 16 games, so he doesn't have hands of stone either. No, 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 no. He's a very good player with incredibly high upside. So, um, you know, we all know that in these World Junior Games, there's going to be wars in the trenches. Uh, discipline might be a little bit of, of an issue with Beecher. He's a, he's a uh, very demonstrative. He loves to mix it up after the whistle. He, he, his, his hits kind of like toe the line. Uh, but again, like, you know, it, it just goes to like those top two lines of team USA. Let's just say hypothetically, you're looking at Turcotte and Zegras as your first two centers, right? And then Kaliev and Caulfield on one line and Walsham and maybe Robertson on the other. Those are two, arguably the two best lines in the entire tournament. You know, I can't think of, I can't think of any other, even with, with what Canada has. Yes, Canada might have a line with, let's say, uh, you know, Lafreniere and whatever. But, you know, Zegras and Turcotte, I mean, Trevor Zegras should have not went ninth overall. He should have went higher than that. Uh, Zegras was is just a phenomenal playmaker. And look at the kind of year he's having uh, with BU. So uh, when you have these superior playmakers in Zegras and Turcotte, I mean, they don't need guys that know how to score to make them threats. They could make anybody a threat. But the fact is you could have given them you know, four wingers, two wingers each that are phenomenal at bearing the puck. If not three of the top, let's say, what, 10 in all of, uh, you know, 20 and under uh, age group in, in the world. Whereas Walsham, Walsham was a guy that scored like 45 goals uh, playing with Jack Hughes. Uh, uh, you know, we all know about Turcotte. He scored, what, he scored 60 uh, last year, 70, I forgot. Uh, and then, of course, Kaliev is on his second 50-goal, 100-point season in the in the OHL, so... Uh, we, we all know on paper, it's easier said than done, but I think those two top lines are pretty much set. Uh, you know, you, yeah. you could probably change out Robertson with another winger, but looking at the rest of the guys they have left, you know, Bobby Brink is more of a playmaking. He's a finisher, but he's also a playmaker as well who could play the left or the right side. So you might want to swap out Robertson and put Brink with Wallstrom and Zegras. Um, but after that, you know, you got those bottom six lines, those, those bottom two lines, where not only are they hard checkers and they're just tenacious and in your face, but they're also like the top scorers on their team. So, like, granted, a lot of nations can boast this kind of depth. Mm -hmm. Canada's basically going to have, you know, Connor McMichael probably on the third line. Connor McMichael's, you know, one of the top scorers in junior. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Joe Valeno has, has been really playing well in the AHL lately. 
He destroyed the, the QMJHL last year. So he's got that experience with the AHL against playing against adults. He might be, let's say, a third-line center or like a you know, second-line wing. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be – I really can't, I can't make any predictions. All I know is that it's going to be, I guess, a, a battle of will and, and desire over anything because we all know that these kids have skill. It's going to be a little bit of luck, but a lot of, of wherewithal and a lot of, uh, you know, fighting through adversity to, to come out on top. One last player I wanted to uh, pick your brain on, and I'm, I'm not certain that he's going to make the team. He's probably going to be one of the cuts. And I said there's no draft-eligible players, and that's not entirely true. Uh, there are no first-time draft-eligible players on yeah. the current roster as it stands right now. But I'm looking at Parker Ford here, and, and he went undrafted. And quite frankly, he's a guy I don't know nothing about. Um other than what Elite Prospects tells me. So, and that is that he's in the NCAA playing for Providence. He's 19 years old, of course. He's got decent size, six foot 176. Um, so this is his freshman season in Providence, and he's got 14 points in 17 games. He's coming from the USHL, where he did pretty good with Sioux City. Uh, what's the forward one on Parker Ford? High energy, high energy, high compete level. Um you know, he, I, I got a chance, a similar thing. Like I knew a little bit about him, obviously from watching the USHL, but you know, when you get into the overage type of age group, I tend to, uh, not focus them on, on them as much as the first year eligible types. Uh, but he, so I saw him at the world, uh, sh- uh, summer showcase. And I'm like, you know, when you got a whole bunch of notes on one kid that you weren't expecting to write anything about, that means he stood out. He was, he was, he was, he stood out in a good way. And, uh, so I, you know, he, he's physical, he likes to get involved in the Ford check. You, you're going to need guys like that, like a Tyler Madden kind of a kid from a couple years ago where he's just buzzing around all over the place uh, in the face, uh, in, in the opponent's face. Um, but also obviously can make plays off. That's the thing is like, it's one thing to Ford check, right. And, and use your speed and take the right routes and, you know, uh, be able to put a defenseman in a precarious position. But the thing is, is that he's been able to, uh, you know, produce off all the hard work that he does. So he could play center. He could play wing. Uh, I do like the fact that uh, he's playing for uh, possibly for uh, to be a draft pick. So he's going to have that added, added incentive. He's got to ask himself, when was the last time, uh, when has he ever, outside of the World Junior Summer Showcase, uh, will he get a chance to, uh, you know, compete in front of the hockey world and all those scouts and whatever? And so when you have a kid that already has a great compete level and a high motor, it uh, usually spells, uh, you know, good things for himself and his team. So I like him a lot. Uh, usually if, if Team USA is going to give this kid a chance uh, to play on a, such a big grand stage like the World Juniors, then the, the scouts are on notice. They've already been on notice. And it's just a matter of time before uh, he does get that opportunity to get drafted. Yeah, he's not the first player to be in this situation. I remember Jack Ashan was uh, a player that was undrafted and made the uh, American World Junior team and still went undrafted, I believe. Um, and I thought he played really well for USA uh, a couple years ago when he was on the roster. Um, and I was a little bit surprised that that he was undrafted. Um, but because I, you know, I went to one of their exhibition games, um, when they were at, uh, Oshawa, I believe it was, I saw USA play an exhibition game and I was looking at the roster. I'm like, Jack, Sean, who the heck is that? I've never heard of this kid. Kind of the same yeah. thing with, with Parker Ford. Like who is so, so, you know, I was like, well, wow. If he's, you know, this could be a really good fantasy sleeper, a hidden gem. If he's a player that's 
I've never heard of that's on a, a prominent team like USA. Like, I need to know who this player is. Um, is Parker Ford someone that if you're in a really deep fantasy league is someone you need to know and maybe put on your watch list to see if he gets, do you think he'll get drafted in Montreal? Well, I mean, if you're going to ba- listen, ba- based on, uh, you know, how the kind of a program he plays for Providence has been known to produce really good NHL talent on top of that. Uh, they've had a history of getting their, uh, draft overages picked. So last year you had a guy like Tice Thompson, who was a 99, so he was a double overager, and he ended up getting picked. Yep. Uh, so there's no reason why, uh, you know, I, I don't think age or anything has anything to do with it uh, because of the fact that he's fast, he's smart, he's got a great attitude, uh, is versatile. You know, even if the offensive upside is more of a byproduct of his hard work, right? He's got very good passing skills. I don't want to say that he's like, you know, basically everything is is based off of him creating havoc on the forecheck and is swiping pucks and, you know, making plays in front of the net. No, he, like he, he has creativity. He's not the kind of kid that just does, uh, you know, one thing. However, you know, the fact that he is coachable and he has the speed that is, you know, pretty inherent in today's NHL game is, you know, why not take a flyer on him? And, you know, the, the kid has produced in the USHL. He's produced as a freshman in college. Uh, and he's going to be, uh, you know, invited, he was invited to play for team USA and might make likely make the world junior team. So, uh, all the blocks are checked. It's just a matter of where, you know what I mean? I, I, he's not going to be a first or second round pick, but then again, uh, you know, we've seen stranger things in the past where teams really like an overage player, you know, with Toronto, with Diego Korshkov going as high as he did in the second round. So, yeah. uh, like I said, uh, my my thing about Ford is that I, I just I love the fact that he's a competitor. I love the fact that he's there and uh, he's going to be a guy that if he does make it, people are going to be like, "Wow, where did this kid come from?" And he's going to probably score a dirty goal or two. Um, but you know, it's he's that role player that you kind of need. So I'm not surprised that he's still alive and they opted for him over, let's say, some younger guys that might have had more skill. It's, it just seems like he's more battle tested. He's played against the collegiate. Uh, uh, he's gone through the, let's say, run the gauntlet of collegiate competition. Uh, so again, another kid that is going to probably surprise the people at the World Juniors. Right on, man. Thanks very much for this. Uh, what do you got coming up on your um, on your blog? When's your next podcast episode? What are you doing for World Junior coverage? Uh, what's coming up? Oh man, it's it's going to be pretty hectic. Uh, I'm in the middle of. Of stuff right now where I got to do the mock, you know, mock drafts. I used to do all the time, and uh, I, this year I I decided to take a step back uh, from the mock draft uh, projects because I wanted to focus more on the draft eligible kids. Uh, but I, I got to release my rankings. I got to release my first mock draft. Uh, a lot of World Juniors coverage for for Sporting News. I'm going to be doing all types of info on draft prospects that you should expect to see at the tournament. Uh, a breakdown of of uh, you know, well, uh, every country, well, their strengths and weaknesses, things like that. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a lot. I got to update my prospect profile. It's just nonstop. It's nonstop. I, I think at this point right now that what I've done is I've watched so much hockey from, let's say, July until now that I could take a break, maybe like, a you know, a 10-day break to start putting all my thoughts down on paper. And then with the World Juniors, I'll just be doing daily updates on what I've been seeing and uh, – you know, it's 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 a busy time of year for me. I already told my wife and the kids. I said, "Yeah, it's Christmas time. I'm going to do a lot of fun family stuff." But you know, in a way, thankfully, the games are early. Yeah. So I can knock out 
uh, I could knock out all the all the, the the viewing stuff, and I could DVR it and you know watch it later on if I have to. But um, it's going to be a busy time, and then we all know that what what happens right after January, you go right after the World Juniors, is you got the CHL top prospects game. You know this new USA Hockey prospects game that they're doing. Remember they they, they used to do it in September. Yeah. Well, now they're doing some type of hybrid where I believe it's going to be the NTDP against like USHL All-Stars. So the USHL top prospect game is no more. And, uh, you know, so you'll have the, I guess, the USA Hockey Prospect. Then you got the CJHL top prospects game. And then February, you got the Five Nations tournament. And there was actually, there's one more tournament coming up, and I want to plug it if it's okay with you. Yeah, man. It's the, the U18 Five Nations in Switzerland. It's every Christmas. Uh, it's the Five Nations are... Switzerland, Finland, Czech Republic, uh, I want to say Germany, and Slovakia. I think those are the five. And it's a very underrated tournament because a lot of you know second, third, and fourth round picks end up playing in that tournament, and it helps their draft status. So <clears throat> I've been reporting on it every year. I'm going to do it again this year. So I got to wear two hats. I got to wear the World Junior hat on one head, and I got to wear the, uh, you know, the U18 Five Nations one. Simultaneously over Christmas? With the world juniors, <laughs> yeah, it's in Europe, so there's going to be some uh, some overlap. But you know, the the beauty of the internet and modern technology is uh, you could just you know screen record or video DVR them and watch them later on. But it, it's going to be a good tournament. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of quality kids from Finland. Obviously, the big one for me is Finland because they're one of the elite uh, you know powerhouses in, in international hockey. Uh, so they're, they're the the big one that participates in it and uh you know february then february comes around you have the u18 five nations and then you have the on the right so again like we're we're, we're we're turning the corner for the draft season the the, the world juniors marks like the halfway point and uh it's just going to be busy 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 from this point on yeah man do you got time for some more podcast episodes uh, for you, anytime. My podcasts have just basically, I, I, I've done like, I think, what, two in the last year. I, I want to thank you for plugging it. Uh, I, I just, you know, when I sit down to do a podcast, I, I'm, and I have all the, the things ready to go, my, my, my topics that I'm going to discuss, I'm like, wait, there's a game on, and I can't miss that game, and, I, and I'll end up watching <laughs> the game, and, and then I'm like, wait, there's another game on. Oh, wait, I forgot about this game. I got I to gotta watch this game. It is amazing how I, I have meetings with myself and I say, I am not watching any games today. I'm going to write, I'm going to take all my notes and compile them and it, it never works. It never works. I'm always glued to the, to the TV or to the computer screen, uh, watching these 16 and 17 and 18 year old kids play. So, uh, yeah, man. not enough hours in a day. Huh? I'll try to squeeze. I'm going to try to squeeze one in. Um, you know, the, the kids are going to be home for break. And they're going to be all over me. So I got to figure out, uh, you know, how I'm going to get some work done with them around. But, you know, like I said, the, it, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, it's, 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 it's a good problem to have. Indeed it is. All right. So that's uh, Steve Corianos talking to me about Team USA and our World Junior Preview Episode USA. Uh, follow Steve on Twitter at The Draft Analyst. Check out his blog at The Draft Analyst. Um, and his podcast, if he puts out another one anytime soon, that'd be fantastic. Maybe I'll just invite him back on here again and get our Steve Corneana's podcast fixed that way. 
thanks so much for your time, Steve. Uh, enjoy the World Juniors, and uh, at the at the very latest, I'm looking forward to seeing you at the draft in Montreal this summer, man. Yeah, likewise. It was great being on the show. I love the show, and I uh, look forward to doing it again. Right on, right on. Thanks, man. All right, man. Take care. Thank you. Cool.